Demystifying the Role of the Network Engineer with Tim McConaughey, Episode 71. Welcome back, my friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets out there. We have another episode of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast, where zigabytes are faster than gigabytes. As always, our goal is to provide you with real-world context around technology. I'm Zig. I'm always your host here. Today, I have a guest expert. He's been on the show before, and I will make sure in the show notes we link to that past show. Um, But today, I have my friend Tim McConaughey joining me, and we're going to talk about what is the network engineer, that role, what do you have to do in that role. We might talk about certifications and just things going on as a network engineer. Uh, And again, I don't like doing these intros too long, so enough of me just talking. Tim, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today, bud? Thanks. It's good to be here. Uh, I'm doing well, man, as well as any of us can be doing. Uh, We're closing in on the end of 2020, and I think we're all hoping that uh, the next year brings better things on January 1st. We'll see how that works out. It can't end soon enough, right? That's the whole point. (laughs) It can't end soon enough. Um, yeah, no, that's good to hear. Uh, hey, I totally off topic, right? And it, and as everyone knows, we don't script these things, right? I, I'm a very, uh, we like to make it real and raw. Uh, you know, I think I noticed you were playing a video game the other day. What what game were you playing? Uh, was this on the Discord or whatever? Yeah, or? yeah. I think I saw you were playing some sort yeah. of game, and I figured, hey, what, what's what's the game of the choice for you today? You know. So um, I'm a big fan of Persona, uh, which is a series that's been out in Japan for a long time, and has, several iterations have made it over here. Uh, I played Persona 3 on the PlayStation 2, um, and then within the last year, I played Persona 5, which actually I've got a display behind me with Persona 5. It's probably my favorite one. But um, I never had a PS Vita, which is the little handheld that PlayStation had, uh, or uh, Sony had. Uh, So I missed out on Persona 4. And recently, within the last, I guess, six months or so, they released it on Steam. So I've never been a, a console PC gamer, but I decided I went and bought a, an Xbox controller that would work on my computer, and I've just been playing the hell out of Persona Four and kind of filling in the there. And it's been it's been great. I'm I'm, I'm almost done with it. It's it's excellent. Yeah, I got to get some time back into playing games. It's been way too long. I do love a good video game. Um, I see you, and, and no one can see the video, right? But I see that you have a Final Fantasy. Is that what I see behind you? Is that a Final Fantasy post? Yeah. So I have this, uh, I don't know, and, and, and I'm afraid to like, I don't want to like plug. A <laughs> plug away, that's cool. Or whatever, I right? Like I, but I, I, when I was decorating my office after I got it all finished, um, I realized I'm turning away from the mic now, so it's probably going to sound weird, um, that I didn't have any decorations, right? It was just bare walls. So I decided I went online and started looking for like posters and stuff. And then I found these things called disc plates, which are steel like brush steel versions of posters, so way more durable. Oh. And you just uh, more or less stick magnets to your wall where you want to hang them, and then you can switch them, move them, however you want. And so I bought some for Final Fantasy. I have a Persona 5 Royal one. Um, some of these are in the shot, and again, I realize we don't have video, right? That's but, fine. Uh, I was just asking, you know. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I'll go off on a tangent if you left me. But yeah, yeah, dude, that's that's exactly right. Hey, uh, one last ger- nerdy video game question. What's your favorite Final Fantasy? Oh, man, how much time do we have? Yeah, I'm a big fan <laughs> of Final Fantasy VII. It, it, like a, like oh, a 10 second, that, just pick great. one. If you if it was life or death right now, which one would you say is uh, your favorite? Uh, I, You know what? I really liked, um, well, seven like everybody. But I think Final Fantasy IV, which was two in the U.S., was still my favorite one. The, the old Super Nintendo one, that was still probably my favorite one this many years later. 
Certainly not the best, but probably still my favorite. See, there you go. And we're done with the show. That's it. We're done. Yeah. Wrap. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. All right. Back to our, our topic. No, I had to ask that question, you know, because um, I think it's a big debate on Final Fantasies and which one's better than the other. And um, I'm a big fan of just role-playing games. And so just to talk to another gamer and talk about games for a little bit, it, it's, it just gets that, that mental urge for me to play video games kind of subsides it a little bit right so i don't waste time playing video games and i build more of this content you know so (laughs) so um you know let's jump into some stuff right so tim let's talk a little bit about you so um where are you today in the industry uh what's your role what's your focus all those kind of things yeah sure so i am a what are they what's the official title these days I'm an enterprise networking technical solutions architect, which is a, a, a mouthful, right? <laughs> we, we love our titles uh, with Cisco. Um, I work in the CPOC, which are, is our customer proof of concept labs. And I also work as a dCloud developer. So anybody who's familiar with our demo cloud uh, offerings, uh, customers can see those more often probably than CPOCs, but uh, I, I do that as well. So my, my focus is usually SD-WAN, but it's really EN. So uh, SDA, SD-WAN, route switch, some wireless, that type of stuff. And yeah, it's it's a really fun way to say that I'm a lab rat, ostensibly, <laughs> for, for Cisco, right? Well, you spend time in the lab, right? That's pretty much where you are. Yeah, that's where I, that's where I live, breathe, and work. Absolutely. It's fun stuff, though, you know, racking equipment up, testing it out, doing it for customer-specific requirements. Yep, that's exactly right. The so the the process, as it were, with the with the CPOX is that we have uh, account teams that have worked with customers to provide or to come up whether with uh, some kind of design or or maybe not a full design. Maybe maybe it's just a. It's usually more like a concept, like a a specific thing, a use case, if you will, that the customer wants to see in action. They want to see some Cisco solution work in a lab before they are committing to buy the product. Obviously that that's makes perfect sense. So it's our job to, to work with those account teams and try to, and try to build that wonderland, if you will, that the customer wants to see in action and show them, Hey, you know, this solution can meet your requirements, can meet your uh, needs. And it doesn't always, I won't lie and say it always works out. Right. Sometimes we hit bugs. Sometimes there's hardware problems. But we, we work it out and we deliver something that the customer will, will hopefully like. Yeah, my, my uh, um, experience with CPOC was uh, when I first started at Cisco. So, you know, if anyone doesn't know, if you do, I mean, I would think that everyone would know that's listening. But my day job, I work at Cisco as well. Um, but I work on in CX. I'm one of the architects on the, the public sector team. And I had um, a CPOC where my customer is looking to run a very, very large DMVPN enterprise kind of connectivity model. Um, and so we went to the CPOC for that and we literally had all the requirements and all the specific compliance standards and regulations there. And the CPOC team just helped us out and set it all up. And, and we did real live use cases, brought the, the customers into the place. It was really a lot of fun. So sometimes customers, let, let's be real, right? Not all customers run full Cisco networks yep. and, and they have good reasons not to, you know, for whatever reason that is. So, you know, sometimes we'll get, uh, you know, Juniper gear in to, to, you know, whatever the customer needs to see, yep. like that's going to yeah. emulate their network. You know, that's, that's part of the, that's part of it as well. So yeah. Definitely. We have, we have a uh, different vendor hardware in our labs as well too, because our customer uses all different vendor solutions. Right. So um, we, and actually our, and this is totally off topic, but our customer has um, 
I say our customer, my customer, um, has requirements where they can't have one vendor solutions for everything. Mm -hmm. So they have to have multiple vendors in play. And so it's a multi-vendor environment. If you talk about a specific area of the network, like a data center, it's a multi-vendor data center architecture. It's not a single vendor solution. So, um, but no, that's, that's good. CPOC, I think is great, you know, and, and the cloud on top of that. Um, and I know, obviously you and I know each other pretty well. Um, Cisco yeah. live speaker, right. You did the multicast session in Barcelona. Um, yep. that's probably the last time or close to the last time I traveled anywhere for work. So, <laughs> <Same here. laughs> so um, what well, young impressionable people we were back then. I right? know it was so long ago, man. It, I miss it. <sighs> oh yeah. No, that was good. Um, yeah. Uh, so, right. So I took over from, uh, Bo Williamson last, I say last year, like it hasn't been like a full year that we've been sitting here in our offices, right. At a home office. Uh, I guess almost two years ago now, I, I took over the introduction of multicast uh, from Bo, um, who, you know, ha, ha, was not at the well at the time doing well. So uh, I was happy to be asked. Uh, I spent way too much time researching and re, re, reacquainting myself with multicast so I could be good with it. And yeah, um, exactly right. Uh, so yeah, God, Barcelona. We did the digital too. Did we did the Cisco digital too? Did you do the, did, did you do uh, the breakout um, the God, I just completely brain farted. Was it MPLS? <laughs> yeah, no, the BGP. Right? I can't BGP. remember the name of it all of a sudden. It's <laughs> the multi-home internet edge architecture. That's but it's it. my session, cool. right? So I know the name, right? Yeah, um, that's exactly. That's funny. No, I did I did mine digital as well, um, yeah. but I was really heavy yeah. in the, the Cisco Live US digital event. Um, I just, you know, last time you and I really saw each other was in Barcelona, you know? Like it it's was. just been, I mean, I, I was helping you with your session. You helped me with my session. Yeah. Um, and it was Barcelona. Like, come on, it was Barcelona. So it was. It was great. Yeah. You know, I was looking forward to Amsterdam. Uh, a little, little sad. A little sad about that one, but dude, it is what it is, right? Hopefully, it's out of we'll, our control, man. Yeah, you know, like control. it is what it is. Let's just ask some of the actual network engineering questions then at this point. So just kind of skirting around it, right? I'm skirting around the main topic, and I might as well just get right in. So, um, you know, uh, what is the role of the network engineer to you? What What is it? Okay. Um, so to me, and, and I hear, and so, so what, what I've, I've heard, and, and I don't know if I hundred percent subscribe to the idea, but you know, we got to start somewhere is that the difference between someone who is a network engineer and someone who is say a network administrator and, 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 you know, I, I need to preface this by saying, I, I, again, I'm not hundred percent sure I agree with this, but the idea. Now let's go with that. Like, let's go with the Plato's theory of forms of, of what is a network engineer and what is a network administrator, right? Is that the uh, a network administrator would be someone who takes a set of requirements or something and just kind of rolls it, if you will. Like, they're not necessarily having the input into the design and the creation of of that uh, architecture or whatever. Whereas, you know, kind of by its by its terminology, engineer implies that we are creating some kind of a of a solution. Uh, an engineer. Now, again, I'm not I'm not saying this to 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 piss off all of the network people out there with the title of network administrator, right? The the problem is that I feel I can so I can talk about Plato's theory of forms all day, but then when the rubber meets the road and we hit the real world, right? There's a thousand enterprises out there that have different titles. Or, you know, architect, engineer, administrator, God knows what else, right? So so please do not be offended if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, 
that's all I mean, right? Yeah, you, we're, we're talking about you have to take it with a grain of salt, right? So each each vertical, each company is going to have a different perspective. So, but I think as a generalized terminology, right? I think a lot of people will reference themselves as network engineers, and a lot of those cases, sometimes you're everything, right? Sometimes you're doing it all, and then some cases it's more siloed where you have a network admin. Um, and I think the progression it would be network admin, network engineer, maybe network designer, and then eventually network architect. Um, if yeah. there was was a progression, but and sometimes all of those roles are merged into one role. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not only merged into one role, but like there's no there's not really any difference between them from from. And this now I'm speaking more of the I'm thinking of like the the upper level management or mid level management looking down at the at the mm -hmm. operation center versus you know the the network administrator engineer designer architect whatever some in, some enterprises are huge and have a, a a mature level of separation there right and some are very small and of course like you said one person pretty much does it all um, I worked for a global enterprise where we had three engineers plus a manager and the manager was had come from had been an, eng an engineer and, and was promoted to network manager right and and we i don't even remember what the titles were it, it was something really really generic that, that their their claim to fame for me was always that they were they made their whole it department was incredibly generic so like all the titles are extremely generic like engine like operations engineer covered uh, you could be a DBA, uh, a web developer, a uh, network engineer, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, so again, when I talk about titles, you know, very tongue in cheek there. Um, but yeah, so it, absolutely. The stratification, I think you only really can truly see within an enterprise that buys into that, that there needs to be stratification. There should be stratification. Yep. So the way I've been trying my best, because I've done a number of these shows, right, where we're trying to demystify the network engineer and, and really understand the role, but I'm also doing shows that are demystifying the network designer and the network architect, right? Because I think that these are different roles. And same thing yep. with network network admin and then also the DevOps side of things. So, you know, if anyone's listening, there's a whole bunch of shows out there on these topics already, and there's going to be more. So if you have questions and you want to learn what these roles are and see what role resonates for you, I'm a big fan of identifying what you love to do and then seeking roles that fit what you love to do, right? Because I don't think, we, especially in IT, you have to love what you do. You have to like this stuff because you're going to mm -hmm. be learning every day. I mean, this isn't something that you're going to walk away every night not having to learn anymore. I mean, I don't know about, I think you can ask that. You can answer that question too, Tim, right? Like, I think we learn every day. That's absolutely true. Uh, and and uh, I was thinking about this specific thing actually for uh, for a different reason not not for this but i but i it all blends together dude this is all it's all integral and needed um i was thinking about the fact that you know we do learn every day and honestly in this industry we have to right mm -hmm. it's it's almost like a race that you just got to keep running and you know like it or not you're gonna have to keep up or or find yourself obsolete um, I've been actually I've, I've been listening to the other demystifying stuff and it, it's great right it's good to have so many different uh, viewpoints not only you know on the same some of the same stuff but also on the different roles like uh, you know what's the one you did with Stuart DevOps those you know excellent like they, they've been good and I think it's important to get that that healthy rounded 
view from multiple viewpoints to to kind of try to find the golden mean, if you will, to invoke Plato again. <laughs> what Plato's it, what our special is, guest, right? by the way. Plato is <laughs> exactly. our special guest. Um, no, so I, I think first off, thank you for listening to the content that I'm producing and creating or whatever, producing, creating, just making content, right? Um, I, I, you know, you're a subscriber then, and I, I'm going to bow down to you. Thank you. Thank you. No, um, I really do appreciate it, though, and you know, not to be funny, I really do. Um, yeah, so my, my thought process behind the demystifying the, you know, whatever role was really to get a subset within different aspects of our career in different verticals and different levels, all that, and then be able to articulate that, hey, here's what this role is. And then if you – and here how what it, what it looks like in these different verticals, right? So, you know, a network engineer role might look very different in a, you know – a financial institution compared to a SaaS, a software as a service company. Um, it might be very different in a school district, like a K through 12 or a higher ed or, or whatever, right? It also might look very different depending on the location, like where you and I live in the US, United States, you know, the role network engineer could mean something very different in Germany and Australia. So I, I figured let's get all this information Let's pull it all together, and that way we can tell people, hey, if you're looking to start in this career field, look at this stuff, right? Look at all this content and figure out what the role you want to be, right, that you think that you love or you like the idea of, and then start figuring out what vertical fits for you. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. And uh, the roles are definitely different the world over. Um, there's there's definitely a culture. Oh, culture it, is Right, obviously, right. Uh, so, so culture in all things. Um, when I worked for the uh, global enterprise, I would have to travel to different countries and do installs and stuff, and just to see even something as basic as how different office culture in total was, and then to even drill it down to the IT level of how that specific country's IT team took care of their office was there was a lot of culture uh, that was different there as well. So I couldn't agree more. And and the roles thing, yeah, just having this available to people who are starting out and kind of exploring that, I think is is going to be a useful thing to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know if we got around to you answering what is the role of the network engineer. So I'm going to put you on the spot again. What? what? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, uh, we, we, I'm like, we digressed a little. Old man Simpson here. I'm going to tell you, you know, how many bees for a quarter. <laughs> tell you the really long story. <laughs> um, so the role of a network engineer, right? I feel like the role of a network engineer is to be be an be an engineer, right? To be able to take uh, some requirement of the business or just whatever you're trying to accomplish, really, and be able to translate that and come up with a solution that meets the need that's there. I mean, there's engineering in general. We yeah. talk about the Army Corps of Engineers. What are they doing, right? They're building levees, dams you know, whatever to, to meet the need that, Hey, we don't want our town to flood. You know, it's, it's the same kind of stuff. I think engineering in general is that, and then network engineering is doing it for the network. That's great. So. I, I like that. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. All right. So next question, right. As we go through this, we're going to hammer, hammer a little bit here. You know, um, some of this is going to make sense for you too. I think it's going to fit right in and we got a, P, a couple of POC questions coming up. And I think those questions are like right in your real wheelhouse. I was going to say okay. real not wheel and I just, the real house. No, I like that. I'm going with that. That's my new, that's, I like that. The real house. That's right. In my real house. 
I'm keeping that one. You're keeping that one. It's because I can't pronounce things correctly, and I'm I'm too lazy. I'm not lazy. Um, I'm not gonna spend the time to go back and edit it. So I'll just laugh about it. Um, this is how my mouth works sometimes. So yeah. So uh, what what do you think network engineers generally do when they have a project? Okay. Uh, now this is where it gets into what our projects are going to be, right? I and mean, you were just talking about uh, how an enterprise engineer has a different job, if you will, than say one that works for an MSP, you know, mm-hmm. where they've got customers, right? Versus one uh, a, a military network is run extremely differently and the customers treated very differently. So, so I, I'm not sure I could be that high level. I'll try. Um, well, let's just use an example from your own experience. Can you let's let's highlight a project you've done recently? Okay, that's fair. Just 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 generically, how does a project work? Yeah. So so actually, I can use the CPOC pretty pretty Perfect. easily for that. Look at that. Um, we didn't second. plan that, by the way. We did not plan that. <laughs> uh, no, just because that's what I can easily refer to. Um, so w- a project, in my case, in my job, is is a CPOC. Is is that's so we have a, a call or some kind of initial contact with an account team in the CPOC that is like, hey, our customer really wants to see the solution in action, and so we'll have a call with uh, with the account team there and try to understand, you know, what are the bus- what are the requirements? What does the customer absolutely need to see? What does the design look like? We need a diagram. We need a, a bomb, if you will. We need a, a list of equipment. Basically, we need to get the details of, of what are the projects. So, so, so obviously, number one is what are the details, right? So we you're can like talk scoping it out, kind of. You're like the understanding what they're looking to achieve and what they have today. Exactly. That's a scope. So the very first thing you have to do is scope the project, obviously. And then from there, you know, your second round is once you've got a scope because I, 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 I uh, liken it to like build a, building uh, not building sorry like drawing a picture right if somebody just hands you a blank piece of paper and you can just imagine that the paper goes in all directions forever like at some point you're gonna have to draw a box and say here this inside this box is my picture right? you're gonna box yourself in into a corner <laughs> exactly like where are the <laughs> rails where's the outside of this picture and from there, you can be like, all right, now I know where my, my limitations are. Now I can build within the, the picture. So so that's what I consider scoping, right? Scoping is where's my rails? Where's the, where's the box that, that goes on the outside of this thing, right? And once you have that, you know, then you start to figure out, okay, so here's my requirements. What, you know, and then you, what are my limitations? Limitations are like the lines of the stuff of the thing you're going to draw or the thing that's been drawn. Let's actually, you know what? Let's use coloring books, right? So now we got to color, color within the line, right? <laughs> I know, I know. But hey, I'm better off the cuff. If I tried to, if I tried to like read this all and prepare a speech ahead of time, this would be extremely boring. <laughs> well, this is good though, because it's, we just made it all the way down to like third grade level there with coloring books. Yeah, I'll get us, I'll get us. <laughs> eating apple crackers before this is done <laughs> it's like barney style you know like- <laughs> so uh right so our limitations right that's our that's our lines if you will that within which we got a color and uh you know that informs the project as well right and so as you get boxed in if you will the your option it's just like design right you're gonna you're gonna look at your options you get bo- the more you get boxed into certain requirements the more it becomes clear what you have to do now in cpoc this is different because we expect that by the time it's coming to us, there's a nice, we have a picture, right? Like, the, you're, you're, you know, we're not the, the 
purveyors of creating pictures, we're, we're, we're expecting to lab up something for, for you. Uh, so, and a lot of times when it comes in, it does still require that we ask some questions to, you know, establish some, some guidelines and then, you know, okay, great. We can build this for you. Um, so from a project perspective, you, that's why I said, you start with the scoping, you figure out what your lines are and, uh, kind of just go from there, I guess. Yeah. And so I'm assuming, I'm going to assume a couple of things. I'm going to put words out there and you just tell me if they're right or wrong. Right. Because I'm not trying to talk for you, but you had the scoping phase. My thought then is you probably have like a staging phase of some sort, getting equipment, getting it set up, doing the pre-configurations of that equipment, maybe upgrading it, whatever, doing a fault test, all those things. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, so the process is like this, we have our scoping call. We, we, we agree, basically the account team and our NCPOC agrees on what the, what the tests are, what's going to make the customer happy. We get feedback from the customer. Hey, is this what you want to see? And then yes, we have a build phase where we've got our bomb in, we've got the diagram and we build to the diagram. We've got a setup phase where we configure in partnership with other TSAs or whoever it is, right? We'll, we'll configure the solution as as needed. Uh, and then we have a, a testing phase where we go through it with the customer. We, we test with them and we show them, hey, the solution either does or does not, you know, depending on what, you know, uh, how lucky I guess that we are that day or, you know, uh, <laughs> how it uh, works out, right? And then, yeah, yeah. and then check all the boxes, hopefully, and then the customer is satisfied with the solution. That's always where we want to get to. Yeah, so you're going to drive those use cases or whatever. Those, those, it's really like testing criteria or something like that. And then once it's successful, that customer is usually pretty happy and they purchase, right? That's the outcome is you're looking for them to purchase whatever it is that they're yeah, testing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and it's a test plan. So there is a test plan, like a straight up like a test plan, procedures and all of this, right? It's nice. a full framework of testing uh, between us and the customer that, yeah, we, we try to meet all of those check boxes to make so, the customer happy. So let's, here's a question, right? And again, this was not, not scripted. So, um, uh, so, you know, you're in the CPOC and you're setting things up. And again, this is a specific, you know, Cisco POC lab environment. And you, uh, in this, this, here's the easy question first. Um, the customers, network engineers, they're there, right? I'm assuming that they'd be there. Yeah. I mean, pre 2020, right? They, yeah. Yeah. They well, were... yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and normally, normally, normally we're going to exclude yeah. the year yeah. 2020 in this conversation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so um, I guess my question then would be, what would you recommend? Like if you were going to give them a tip on how they should um, kind of structure their this whole process, right, from their perspective. Like I'm thinking like if you have someone right now that's listening to this that uh, is like, hey, I need to do a CPOC for SD-WAN. I need to get on the phone with Tim and my account team and we got to set this up. You know, what should you tell them that they should either do or look forward to or make sure they do? I, I said that twice though. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. No, no, no. I, I get it. That's a good question. Um, so, so technically the process is, is that, uh, the, the account team is actually who brings the CPOX to us because, um, the customer has a lot of input in the whole process, right? Um, but customers can't like call me up on the phone and say, "Hey, we need to do a CPOC, right?" Like that's a so dial the bat number. It's the, 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 yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, not that a customer can't say, "Hey, we would love to see a POC of this." Just that the whole process is is internal. But to answer your question, because I think it's a good question, um, what makes a POC a POC is understanding what is that thing, 
What is that fear, uncertainty, doubt? What are we? What are we? What are the questions we have that we need answered? What do we need to see? What are we still concerned about? Right? Like we, you know, pre- presumably, before we're building a giant lab to show this, our account team has been showing the customer here's how it's going to work in your network. Here's you know here's a dcloud demo, like just to mm-hmm. have some some education about how the, how the process works, how the product works. So what what is it? that we need to see what's that checkbox that needs to be checked before we'll have confidence. That's, that's what CPOC is generally trying to answer. So when it's time to create a CPOC, what we're looking for is, is to answer that question, right? What, what does the customer need to see in a real environment? What is the real thing that they want to see actually working? Um, that will make them feel good about the the product, yep. you know, cause we're not, we're not back. We're not in the back, like a wizard of Oz, you know, <laughs> pulling levers and making lightning flash, right? Like, I mean, this, it's a real lab and there's real gear doing it. So, it, and believe me, there's been times when something hasn't worked or has worked that surprised me as much as, as, as that, right? <laughs> well, that's so, going to be my next question. Like what happens when something breaks and uh, it doesn't work in the CPOC, right? Uh, right. But, but I mean, it's real. It's, it's real. Good, bad, and ugly, right? It's, it's, it's weird. Real. It's, it's real. That's good. That's good. It's a good experience, right? Not. I'd like to hope so. <laughs> <laughs> do you, in, in, in these situations, do you see a lot of customers come in with like a lot of strict budgetary numbers or do you not get into the conversation with budgetary numbers? Yeah. So, I mean, clearly, but clearly money is always a factor, right? For that, with every, every person, every person that's going to buy gear as, as a, as a number that, but that's not up to me to consider. Yeah. Um, that's obviously between them and the account team and, and the pricing and all of that. It's it, by the time it gets to me, I, I'm not, that's another reason why I, I, I always uh, tell customers that sometimes customers are a little bit um, and right flow. So potentially um, are a little bit suspicious, even though I'm like, look, this, this, I can take you back there <laughs> and we actually do tours. Here's your rack. This is your gear right here. Uh, you know, sometimes you still have suspicion. Yep. And so I can just tell them like upfront, like, dude, I, I don't get any money. If you buy, if you buy every every box that's uh, back there, I don't get a, a petty, and and I don't even know how much your deal, you know, like how much money's on the table. I don't have anything to do with it, right? I'm here to show you this solution working. Um, so, and that usually makes them feel a little bit better. And it's absolutely true, by the way. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just how it is, right? That's how you are. You're becoming that almost like a trusted advisor that 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 terminology is used it's overused nowadays but really that's what you are you're not compensated based on their success and you're not compensated based on the sales success so you're literally there to facilitate the the point the proof of concept right and 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 then guarantee not guarantee anything but like show them that it works or that it doesn't work for what they're looking to achieve now obviously you're going to show them how it works and and you're going to tie all those specific success criteria to what they're looking to see um, and I, and I think that's valuable. I really do. I think that's valuable. I had a question and then I lost it. So it was like, it kind of was in my head and then it kind of jumped away. It'll, it'll come back uh, five minutes later after we're long off that topic. Exactly. That and that's works. usually what happens. And it's like 30 minutes later and I'm like, okay, you know how we were just talking about that back like, you know, at the beginning and 10 minutes ago and yep, yep. That's me. Um, so I have a question here. So you're, you're really fun to focus on SD when you said enterprise, but really it's, most of these days you're doing SD-WAN work. Maybe I think it'd be valuable, and I have these questions, mm-hmm. and I think that other people would have these questions too. So let's just say um, I am looking at getting SD-WAN, mm-hmm. and I want to um, 
see what SD WAN can do. What are you? What are you gonna? How are you gonna set that up as a POC? How are you going to show me what SD WAN can do, and, and how I can kind of be successful from a business perspective and a you know network engineer perspective, right? With SD WAN, um, with my customer. Okay, I'm putting you on the spot, I, I, man. Putting you on the spot. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I'm just thinking like I don't want this to sound like I'm freaking selling. Vendor agnostically. I know we both work for Cisco, but, and so I can already hear certain parties out there, cer- certain curmudgeons <laughs> out there. Oh, this is just a, this is just a, a, a Cisco one sales. hour Cisco sales. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 right? no. So, no, so no, let me uh, let me preface that. Preface. I think that's the word I'm thinking. Preface, <laughs> or whatever. Um, let's try to do that vendor agnostically, um, not calling out specific proprietary Cisco. You know, functions or capabilities. Let's just say that more of like an SD WAN generalization across, and that term being all SD WAN oh, okay. solutions, right? That's yeah, kind of yeah, what yeah. I would pitch it as. So if I just wanted to show a customer who had no idea what SD WAN was, yes, like how there, it started with SD WAN. Okay, that's fair. Um, I think the very first thing you have to start with, and I'll, and I'll say this about any solution. I'll say this about SD WAN, SDA, uh, routing, switching. I would have said it about IWAN, especially about IWAN, because that was a that's where that was one where it really mattered um, is to start with what is the benefit to the business of adopting this solution, like like that's a that's a no brainer to me. Just any solution that is has any complexity at all, we have to answer the question like what is this what is the complexity by me? What is what am I getting mm-hmm. out of it, right? And so if I if you specifically put me on the spot and say SD WAN, like obviously the and and by this point everybody's heard it. God, SD WAN has been like the the gold-plated word of the of the last year or two, right? Yes. yes. Um, I would say that for SD-WAN, of course, it has to do a lot of it has to do with uh, stability and cost reduction, right? So you need to be if you're going to demonstrate SD-WAN to anyone and tell them why is this is important to your business, whatever vendor you are, and I, I, you know, I say that throwing that out there and hoping the other SD-WAN uh, vendors would agree with me, is that you have to be able to show your customer like, Hey, what is the, what is the value of the complexity? Cause SD-WAN can be complex. I mean, yeah, there's turnkey, you know, even mm-hmm. Viptela turnkey solution. Technically, if you just set up Viptela and walk away, you don't need any policies at all. You just get a full mesh of tunnels and now you've got an SD-WAN, right? But you know, anyway, point is, uh, uh, what is the complexity of, of varying levels? Get my business. What do, what do I get out of it? That's the case you got to make. For any solution yeah, to the business. Yeah. Now, so I have this question, right? And again, these are these are not softball questions, mind you. So feel free to punt it or <laughs> whatever, right? <laughs> it might be a little hard. Um, you know, so if I'm a customer and I'm looking at SD-WAN, is there any value in me getting an SD-WAN solution that when I only have like one kind of link? One like, you know, we, we, we traditionally have these multiple links and you're going to have multiple paths, right? My intent here is that what if I have, I don't have multiple paths. Maybe I only have one MPLS link or maybe I only have internet. Um, is there value for me to get an SD-WAN solution in that, that model? Um, so I... I I don't know. The and well, I know, but I know my answer, uh, and I guess I'll just say it because uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get some angry uh, messages. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, people see this. I I think that the most value that an SD WAN can bring you is with things like application aware routing and and other avoidance, you know, 
crap avoidance technology type solutions, right? That's that's ninety percent of the value of ninety of an SD WAN is I don't have to keep my eyes glued to a screen. I can trust that the network is going to preserve my applications to the best of its ability, right? That's 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 the the that's the pie in the sky that we're <laughs> yeah, all chasing. Yeah, yeah. So, do I think there's value? Yes. Do I think there's va- that? Do I think that generally the complexity of, a, of an entire SD-WAN solution lends itself to a single, you know, transport type of, of deployment? Personally, don't see value in the complexity of a deploying any vendor's SD-WAN. I'll just say any vendor. I won't even. I won't. You know. I won't poke myself in the eye as a Cisco employee, if you will. I'll just say any vendor. I don't, I, which is not to say there's no value, right? There's there's definitely value in SD WAN of any kind. I'm saying versus the lift, if you will, right? If I'm if I'm only running internet and it's not even different internet providers at every branch, like I I, I honestly would would struggle to to argue for an SD WAN type solution for the complexity. So that's good. That's a good. That I think that's a good answer, right? And. Um... So, and just so everyone's listening, right? We're not trying to bash any specific vendor solution. Specific, we're not trying to bash anyone's solution, right? We're trying to just be at a higher level and talk about, you know, why would you want to go with SD-WAN and why you wouldn't? And, and the reason why I'm asking some of these questions is because this is what Tim does for a living, right? Like, let's see, he works on SD-WAN solutions and he, he has these example capabilities, capability. I don't know how I said that wrong. Um, he, you know, so, so, so I'm going to tie a couple things together here. Uh, so SD-WAN itself, right? If we bring it up to that vendor agnostic terminology, uh, there are inherent, what I've been calling capabilities that all SD-WANs provide, all SD-WAN solutions provide. And those capabilities are really critical. Now, the big one that, that is there is the ability to have that application aware routing, um, and then have that, um, health of the circuits that you're running on top of like a good realistic view of the circuits and what their health is if it's a brownout or a blackout or whatever and being able to adapt on the fly to that now there are some additional capabilities too that you can get with sd-wan and that's kind of why i was asking that question like if you if you are talking with your company or your customers or whatever role you fill as a network engineer and you're discussing should i get sd-wan or should i not get sd-wan you know i think that's what you have to do is real is weigh the capabilities first. Don't look at the specific vendor solutions. Determine, hey, yes, this is these I do need it because I need these capabilities. And maybe that is application aware routing. Maybe that is enhanced security. Maybe that is, and I'm just going off the top of my head, right? So, as we as I've mentioned before and pointed out, I think we have to at some point answer the question: What do I? What am I getting for the complexity mm-hmm. I'm introducing? Yep. Yep. Right. So that's that's the question you have to answer as a network engineer, especially. And any of these solutions, when we start talking about software-defined whatever, they're going to have complexity. They're going to bring inherent complexity to the to the situation. Now they might they might obfuscate that complexity, right? They might hide it. Um, there's solutions out there where everything's like a checkbox. You know, you hit the checkbox and the thing's applied, and you don't have to actually go and do it anymore. But you still have a complex solution under the hood. Um, and the last thing I'll say about SD WAN, and then we'll move on to some other topic because I think uh, we're going down a rabbit hole that we don't need to be going down, right? Um, yeah. So I actually did a guide uh, write up a short, like, couple page guide on what are the benefits of SD WAN in a vendor agnostic form. Um, so it's not Cisco specific, it's not Juniper specific, or whatever SD WAN you know vendor you want to name specific, but it does call out the benefits, the capabilities. I think benefits and capabilities are the same. 
they have the same meeting. Um, it does call out those capabilities that all SD-WAN solutions should have. And they, that's that's really the decision makers that you should have. Like that's not the decision makers. Those are the items that should be making your decisions for you. Like if you need those capabilities. The business drivers. Yeah, yeah there you go. See, <laughs> see Tim, he's, he's a designer. That's, he is. He's a designer. So... Um, but that, if you do want that guide, it's free. It's uh, zigbits.tech slash SD-WAN. Uh, no spaces on SD-WAN, no dashes, nothing like that, all right? Um, so a couple more questions for you, right? And we, I'll, yeah. I'll try really hard not to throw those hard ones at you again. In the SD-WAN Dude, that's specific. fine, really. Uh, I, think what's, I think what people find entertaining about this, and I'll speak for myself here, uh, when what I find entertaining about listening to podcasts is the people. Like, I can go read a book if I want to yeah, yeah. learn about freaking SD-WAN, right? Like. That's I can read a book. I can read, and I can do it a lot faster than listening to two guys. You know, going back and forth about for forty-five minutes right? or an hour or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about priorities. Um, when okay. it comes to being like a network engineer, um, you know, there's priorities, right? There's business mm -hmm. priorities. There's requirements. There's just things you have to account for. So how do you handle priorities as a network engineer? So when we speak about priorities as a network engineer, we're talking about like. I guess uh, we're speaking specifically only about network engineering, right? Not competing priorities. Yep. We're just saying, yep. you got it. what are my priorities as a network yep. engineer? Okay. So, well, ultimately your priorities are driven by uh, leadership, obviously. Like that's a no brainer, right? Um, <laughs> that, that leadership drives your priorities, but your priorities uh, generally as a network engineer. And again, this is different based on your role and what company, what vertical and, and whatnot uh, that you're, that you're in um, is, you know, keep the network running, obviously, I think is number one for everybody. Um, and then from there on, you know, that kind of diverges out into what is, you know, like an MSP guy has a different set of priorities than an enterprise guy, than a, somebody working on a military network. Um, but generally, yeah, keep the keep the lights on, I think, is, is, a, is a bottom level, you know, it's, it's like minimum level priority for everybody, every network engineer. Operations and maintenance, right? Like, it's like, uh, exactly. keep Operations things online. Exactly. Now, I'm in, in my in my role as a CPOC engineer, like, you know, I live in the lab, so I have, I have like Mayfly networks <laughs> that I can break and blow up and destroy or you know i or i can just beat my head against for days trying to make it work and there's no the only thing i have to worry about is the deadline right like it has to be ready by this date to deliver to the customer other than that whatever i you know whatever i want that's my priority to get it all working um although you'll find that you could never just like bounce around there's a there's a process you to build yeah, yeah. a network from the ground up, right? <laughs> there's always a process uh, <laughs> so so yeah. on that on that note do you do you get multiple cpocs at the same time like are there multiple ones going on so the cpoc the cpoc itself the the lab has multiple cpocs going on at the same time yes absolutely and we have multiple locations right we have one in rtp here um san jose bangalore and, okay. and london and so apj anyway um I don't personally do more than one CPOC at a time. Although I have had, when it got really busy right before COVID hit, I was doing them back to back to back to back, which we're not supposed to be able to do, but I was doing it because I'm so, so right now uh, I'm the only EN uh, guy for CPOC for the Americas. That's just Ooh. how it has worked out. Not on purpose. Not like, I don't want to paint any weird conspiracy theories or anything. It's just how it works out to the normal cycle of business. So I was really busy. Point is, I was yeah. like super, super busy. One person. So there were times. 
Yeah, exactly. So there were times when I would be like in what we call the customer week of a CPOC. And meanwhile, the one, the next one I'm jumping onto is overlapping its build week where the, the co-ops are actually cabling everything and ask me questions about software versions and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's tough. It can be tough, but generally a CPOC engineer only handles officially only handles one CPOC at a time. We can give maximum, you know, attention because it's a three week deadline and believe it or not, three weeks out might sound like a lot. One of those weeks is with the customer, but uh, you know, it actually takes a lot to get something built and tested in two weeks. Yeah, no, I understand that a little bit. Not not CPOC wise, but I had to do um, an SDA. So we're going to Mm -hmm. go specific for a minute, right? Uh, Or we could be vendor agnostic and say software defined access, software defined land, whatever you want to call. I had to do I had to do a uh, almost like a proof of concept, but but you know in a military government world setting um, in a different country and <laughs> go to that country for a few weeks, set things up and, and then do the use cases for them live. And then they ask for more, of course, because that's what they always do. They always ask for more. Right. And they're like, Hey, I want you to integrate this solution with that vendor solution too. And I'm like, well, it doesn't integrate today. Um, but let's yeah. get a hold of that vendor solution. Let's see what we can do. You know, so I was in this other country trying to figure this out on the fly with the other vendors, technical people on the slight too. And we're in the lab, you know, trying to get one solution to work with another solution. That's they're totally different, you know, competing vendor solutions. So yeah, you get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's that's my life too. It's just it's not as formal as yours, right? Like, and, and we had like two weeks to set it up and, and be done, you know. So it wasn't it was not a very quick or we didn't have the luxury of time. It's hard, yeah, dude. It's it's a hard schedule to keep. And if you don't do it day, if you don't do it over and over and over again, like if I if if I had to do it as a one off, like you know, because that's not your normal everyday thing. If I had to do it as a one off, it's gotta be twice as hard. Because I've just, you know, over time, you, you build that skill a little yeah. bit. But if you're doing it off the cuff, man, that's, that's well, and then And then we had limitations, too. And just to show people, like, you know, one of our, our, our switches couldn't route. We didn't have a license for it to route. And it wasn't our switch. Like, let me rephrase uh-huh. that. It wasn't like a lab switch. It was a production switch in the customer's network in a different country. We didn't have the flexibility to install a license to, you know, make it route. So it didn't route. So we had to, like, do all these funky things. And here's the thing. Everything else was plugged into that switch. So it was like a distro or a core switch. And um, everything else in their environment was plugged into it. So think of, like, these VLANs. And everything's running through VLANs across this Layer 2 switch. And then it's we're routing yeah. across those VLANs, right? So everything has a slash 30 link or slash 31, depending on your flavor. Yeah. And these are all dedicated VLANs for those slash 30s and slash 31s. And you have this nasty logical topology, but the physical topology is all like, it's a, it's almost like a, what, with a, a router and then everything else off the router. What's that called again? I don't know, stick? Yeah, something like that, right? But it's a switch yeah. on a yeah, stick, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And, and all the routers <laughs> are hanging off that one switch or the, it was like two switches, but yeah, in a cluster. It's funny what you have to do to make things work sometimes. And yeah. (laughs) If I had, I was talking to someone about it today, actually. If I had the time, I'd go back and redo everything, right? I would have a layer three device in the middle and not do this. But I mean, you're you're adding some additional complexity just because you're trying to make it work. You're, You're almost like cutting corners, but you're not. You're making it work in the time you have, right? Like you only have so much time. What's that? 
the CCIE lab. Yes, yes. You have an eight-hour <laughs> lab. Now you have to figure it out, right? This is really the same concept, except for you had 40 hours, you know, to figure it out versus exactly. eight. Um, and you were in a totally different country. I mean, I don't know if anyone else knows this, and maybe you do, but, like, if everyone's familiar with being in the U.S., you go over to a different country, you have different power requirements and different plugs and uh, different just what you take for granted in your country is not the same in other countries and so you get over there like well I don't have a power for this <laughs> like I don't have the right what's adapter happened what's happened to me I went to I'm trying to remember if it was Korea or China but one of those two I went there and I got there in country and we shipped the gear there all the all the power adapters yep. were wrong yep. had, to, had to put it in a fresh order to get the power adapters replaced oh it's horrible. That's horrible, right? That's horrible. But it, it is a lesson learned for sure. Um, all right, so let's let's do some of those other f- not fluffy questions, but let's do some things that I think would be very impactful, right? So um, I'm going to ask some just some your opinion questions. Um, well, that's good because I only have I, I can only give you my opinion, so, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll go right? That. I had this conversation with my son. He had a. a a homework, not a homework, a class assignment on uh, facts and opinions, and he just couldn't get this grasp around what an opinion was. And I, it was like this. Pro- I had to just break it down for him. Like, so the fact is something that you can find, and it's you know, well, I wouldn't say factual because I wouldn't use the same word in the definition, but that's usually right. right, right. right that that's it's a factual data Independently point. Independently verifiable. Yes, a, an opinion is your feelings about it, right? It's your opinion, and it can't be wrong unless it's a factual incorrect opinion, right? Like. Whatever. Do you remember? Uh, you have a kid, so you probably do remember. Do you remember that uh, movie Inside Out? With yes. The Pixar it was the head first the movie. Feelings? It was the first movie our son saw. Oh, okay. Right, right. I guess he's in about theaters. That age. In theaters. Sorry, let me be. In, in the, yeah, yeah. I, t- I think that's actually probably the same for my uh, youngest as well. I remember that. Uh, I always think of, the, and I use it a lot. The part of the movie where they're on the the train of thought, and there's a box of facts and a box of opinions, and like. Something happens and they get knocked over and they get all, all mixed oh, yes, up. Yes. And she's like, oh no! And he's like, no, no, this happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because that's so real. Like that is like thoughts and opinions or facts and opinions get mixed up so much. It's all perspective, right? It's all your personal perspective yeah. and your experiences too. And I, I'll even go back to like CCNA days. Like I remember where yeah. I thought something was a fact about the ccna like blueprint and then and it wasn't it was just like a cisco specific thing versus like you know another vendor specific thing like administrative distance for example just because i can mm-hmm. remember this i when i was first starting out in the marine corps and learning what administrative distance was for your routing protocols i'm sorry mm-hmm. i'm going technical right a little technical here um i thought administrative distance were factual numbers that were governed by an rfc and it, they're not. Yeah. They are not. Like if yeah. you go take a Juniper exam, the uh, administrative distances are different for the same routing protocols. For like OSPF, I don't know what they are about yeah. top of my head, but is, is that right? The, the I, see, I thought the AD was. Is, you know, I never looked. You're, I think you're right, though. I don't think yep. the AD itself is set in the RFC. Nope. And I had huh. no idea. I I either assumed that. Or that was just an opinion based on my experience. I thought it was factual. And so I'm like, no, this is factual information, right? Like, and I can guarantee you, I probably got questions wrong on the CCNA or whatever exams because I thought this was factual information. It wasn't like immutable. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> but back to the point, right? So here's uh, some opinions for you, yeah, right? Sure. If you were going to give someone advice, someone mm-hmm. that is maybe just getting out of high school, just getting out of college, looking for their first network admin, network engineer role, what advice would you give them? Uh, God, I hate to. 
I feel like I'd uh, I feel like I'd probably tread the ground that probably everybody else treads or, or be very trite uh, by saying so. But the the main thing is to obviously make sure that's what you want to do. Um, and and if you're trying to figure out like, hey, so I mean, the first thing of course is just figure out the, the what you want to do, right? Just that's the obviously the very before you do anything else. If you're gonna hate it, don't do it. Um, but after that, let's say this is something that interests you. You're excited by it. You want to keep doing it. Um, if there's one, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? If there's one uh, attribute, I guess I would suggest that someone have who it, to learn for technology specifically. It would be like probably the it'd be ambition, like the mm-hmm. the, the ambition to look to say, here's where I start and here's where I want to be. And here's the path that gets me there. And just the ambition to, to walk that path, if you will. So, so somebody starting out, I would say, you know, it's hard, obviously there's a lot of stuff to memorize. And, 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 and I think we end up losing people, (laughs) you know, who are like, this is just a bunch of memorization. Right. And so, so yeah, so, so actually that's a really good point. So, and then you can see I'm obviously doing this off the cuff because I'm now thinking through it my own, my, myself as I, as I speak. Um, but it's not all just rote memorization, right? Like if you want to learn something, really learn it. You got to understand the history. You got to understand why those decisions were made, right? So yeah. instead, of, instead of memorizing that the administrative distance of OSPF is 110 internally, you know, or the, 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 the sorry, the EAD of uh, OSPF is 110 internal or external, um, Say like, okay, that's some that's like a factoid that you would remember. You would remember that for the exam, and it doesn't mean anything by itself, right? But okay, well, the AD of Rip is one twenty. Why is that? Why why do we, you know? Okay, well, you know, Rip is older. Rip has less uh, useful uh, uh, metrics, right? Like hop count is a terrible <laughs> metric. Yes, probably it might be the worst metric, right? Uh, and it's older and it's just, it was created first. And when pop, hop count is really all we cared about because we were transferring so little um, and, and, and just putting it in perspective, right. And understanding why those decisions have been made. Like when the OSPF RFC was written, you know, here we, RIP was already out. We wanted to be trusted more, you know, Cisco wanted to trust OSPF more than RIP. Like just as an example, right. I'm just spitballing. I'm mm-hmm. like the point I'm making is that, it's not all a bunch of factoids, right? There's actual context that will help you learn it and understand it better than if you sat there and just stared at an index index card, you know, memorizing that, you know, EIGRP is 90 and you know what I mean? Like, yep. cause EIGRP came after OSPF and had a, had a, <laughs> in theory, had this, this extremely complex calculation algorithm, which of course, most of the, of the pieces of that pie never actually got put into production because they didn't work very well. Uh, sorry, Donnie and, and Steve. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so we, so, but the point is it was newer. We trusted it. Cisco trusted it more. Again, I have to point that out, right? Because now we're talking about Cisco specific ADs, as you, as you, as you mentioned. Um, but there's context. And so with the context, you can learn something. If you're just memorizing something, that's something you're going to forget, right? No, I, I would have so, to agree with that. Go ahead. Advice to somebody starting out is learn the context. Learn the history. Don't sit there and stare at an index card and try to just memorize everything. Because what happens then is you become a parrot and you can answer everything as, as long as it's a book answer they're looking for, you can give it. Right. But if you ever have to think and you have to engineer to, to invoke the, the name network engineer, right. If you have to come up with a solution, 
it's going to escape you because you're 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 you've got these tiny little boxes. Everything's in a tiny little box and a factoid, and it's not going to be it's not going to work together. No, so. that's great. I like it. I like it. I'll just add a couple more thoughts that I had while you were answering that question. Um, and you made a comment. And you made it generally said that you know everything happens for a reason. Everything was done for a reason, right? Um, and I think that's the same for like even when we're doing anything in a network. So if you come into a new network, your first year there, it's your first network or it's your second network, whatever was is configured is most likely done for a reason. And it's a matter of you have to figure out why it was done. Um, and, and, and it may not make sense to you until you actually figure it out um, because it, you may not know what the situation was about. So just keep that in mind. Like don't just go remove something like static routes or, or static arp entries like someone else did, <laughs> me. Don't go, just don't go remove that stuff, you know, uh, until you either figure out what they're used for or, more importantly, you know, you have a maintenance window. Don't do it not in a maintenance window. Um, I think that's critical, right? The, is yeah. Everything happens that's for good a reason. Also. <laughs> don't <laughs> good mess things up outside of the maintenance window. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my next thing would be like um, – you're not going to know everything, right? Like even if you're starting out in the industry, right? And you're new and, and you're just out of college or just out of high school, maybe you're getting your CCNA, whatever. Like there's so much to learn. There's so much to learn. You're not going to know everything and it's okay. It is totally okay. What's more important is what Tim just said, right? You have to have the ambition. You have to have the drive. You have to have a good personality. Those soft skills that you can't get, you can't learn on your own. You have to be kind of instantiated that way by your parenting or parenting, upbringing, childhood, something like that. Um, you know, those soft skills are, are critical. Like, like if someone can can learn something and someone has the drive, I don't care if they have the certification or not, right? Like, I'd rather have someone either on my team or working with me that has the drive, has the motivation, and can learn anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. You can teach somebody what the admin, the admin distance of OSPF is. Yep. You can't I can teach tell you what it is. How to, <laughs> what the drive, you can't teach somebody drive. And then I want to add one more thing because you just when, – when you – started talking you now yeah, yeah. my memory this is, is well. why i like it it's real man it's right, real. Right. um so i created a so i found on twitter a long i guess months months ago uh people had uh, created like a like a 10 or some pieces of advice for network engineers from people who were active in the community and i liked it so much i was like hey i wonder if i can go with 10 and I, and I did and i put it on my blog and i say 10 rules for new network engineers and number one, and I will. I, this will be my number one until the day I die. And I don't care if anybody, you know, I'll, I'll die in this hill and I'll fight anybody who disagrees. Is guard your credibility, right? You say, you say, you know, you're not going to know everything. That's absolutely true. Don't act like you know everything. And specifically, you know, if you mess up, man, you messed up. Okay, it happened. You might even get fired over this mess up. It might happen. But I, I, hundred percent guarantee you. That if you get fired and people and you lie about it, people are going to find out. You're going to get found. even if they can't fire you that day, you are never going to make it, right? Like they're, they're, guard your credibility because it's the it's one of the things where it's like uh, it's like your virginity, right? Once you give it away, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, uh, you know. Well, so, you gotta own it, right? You make a mistake, you gotta own it. Like, yeah, so like, even though you made the mistake, right? Like, what can you do, right? Yep. You can't actually take it back, yep. right? So all you can do is try to try own to it. own it, and, own it, and, and then not do it again, right? I mean, even if you think you can get away with it, uh, you know, there's always gonna be once you lose that trust, you know, like even if you get away with it that time, right? Like oh, yeah. people, people know, you know, like oh, people yeah. understand, you know, even if they can't prove it. So you gotta own it. First of all, you're going to get found out at some point. It's all, I feel like you're 
feel like I'm your dad, right? Like if you don't tell the truth, you know, it's going to be so much worse. When, you know. well, nowadays everything's tracked, you know, everything's tracked and yeah, everything's like, on logs and cameras and everything nowadays. So, so anyway, but I'm not saying use that as an excuse, right? Like, or use that to be as a reason that, Oh, I have to be credible because they're, they're going to know about it. Right. Like, no, you, it's a, it's a state of mind. You have to have that credibility and that you have to, because like I said, once it's gone, once people don't trust you anymore, you're not getting it back. Yep. Right. Yep. That's the one you're not going to get back and, and, and get another job. And the one last thing I would say, since, you know, I asked you the question and now I'm giving all the answers, right? And that's what happens, I guess. <laughs> so, um, is, you know, I, think you're, you're, I, I value your input, obviously. Like I wouldn't, yeah. have, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, I, w- I would say this, right? Stay humble, right? Stay humble. Where can everyone find you on the interwebs? Like if they want to keep the conversation going, they want to keep talking to you about SD-WAN, they want to know what your views on whatever are, where they can, where can they reach out to you? Uh, so I have a YouTube channel and a blog uh, called Carpe DMVPN. Um, yeah. I love the so name. Just like it, like it <laughs> Thank you. It <laughs> sees the, the network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the YouTube channel is still fairly new, although I just realized I, I actually have crossed my – I just recently crossed my one-year anniversary. God, 2020 Whoa. has messed my time. 2020 has messed my time up so much, dude. One year? Like I would not – told me it been a year. I'd be like, huh? What are you talking about? Congrats. I started that thing like four months ago or something. Um but no, I, yeah. And I have a blog, which I am terrible about updating because actually, to be honest with you, the reason I started the YouTube channel is because I hated all of the work it took to do all the grammar and formatting for my blog. <laughs> so I thought, and then I found out that, Hey, it makes, it takes more work to do all the video editing. Yes, it does. Like <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, shoot, so, man, I got more work on my plate. <laughs> so, so in my quest to be lazy, I have now expanded uh, my reach. Um, and of course on Twitter, um, at Juan Golbez, J-U-A-N-G-O-L-B-E-Z. Um, I think as of right now, that's the only place that I will, and probably most likely, uh, that's probably the only place I'll ever be. I can't see myself going on to any other social media networks, uh, Instagram or whatever, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you guys, whatever you kids are doing these days, right? No, I gotcha, <laughs> I gotcha. Um, yeah, so I'll have all those in the show notes, right? I'll have his YouTube channel, um, his one-year-old, his baby YouTube channel. <laughs> I started mine a long, long time ago, but I didn't do any content. I like made one video. And so mine was like started like seven years ago and I haven't made anything until recently. So even though mine's seven years old, it really is like baby, baby. It's like six months old, right? Oh, I mean, so. you're, you're uploading tons of stuff to it, dude. You're killing it. So it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Just throwing stuff out there, see what people like, what they don't like, you know? Um, but it, enough about me, right? So we'll have your YouTube channel there. We'll have your blog. We'll have Twitter. Um, any last minute comments, questions, concerns, tips, whatever. <laughs> uh, not, not a lot. I mean, we're talking about demystifying the role of a network engineer. So I would suggest that, you know, if the goal, the target audience of this is someone just trying to start out, I would, you know, I don't usually plug my own stuff, but I would definitely recommend it is one of the better uh, posts on my blog. Speaking of someone who's written them all, uh, take a look at it. Uh, the one for the rules for network engineers, there definitely is a lot there that would help you. I think starting out. Awesome. We'll include that as well in the show notes. Everyone has a direct link to that post. Uh, Tim, man, I appreciate it as always. This is our second show together. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more in the future. I want to do some SD-WAN content, I think. I think it'd be a lot of fun. So I appreciate you. Thanks for joining me today, and we're going to wrap up the show. All right, man. It was good to be here. Thanks for having me. 
All right, friends, that's going to close out this episode of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email me at zig at zigbits.tech. You can always find me on the socials. That's Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can search for me, Zig Ziga, or you can search for ZigBits. We have the two accounts for everything because I don't know why. We just do. Um, in the, today's show notes, this is going to be show 71. So today's show notes are zigbits.tech slash 71. And um, I think I got everything there. I think I memorized it all or kind of remembered it all. Um, and, and really, and, until next time, bye for now.